I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Welcome to News Du Jour. You may be wondering, why am I, Annie Bowles, here hosting this podcast? I usually start by telling people I'm a political baby. You see, my parents met working on Capitol Hill. By the time I was two, I had been in my first political commercial and even got lost crawling around the West Wing. Don't worry, Al Gore found me. My family then moved abroad when I was nine, and I attended an international school in Brussels with kids from all over the world, and it is this type of global perspective that I also bring to our show. I graduated from American University in D.C. after studying political science and art history, as well as interning on both sides of Capitol Hill. I even interned down the hall from where my parents met. I'm now pursuing a professional certificate in journalism at NYU in conjunction with Rolling Stone magazine. I guess I was always that friend in the group who cared deeply about not just what was going on politically, but also globally. I often kept my own friends informed through high school and into young adulthood, so I guess I've always done a version of this show. I'm genuinely passionate about following the news, and I'm here to break it down for you guys every weekday. We always strive to be a calmer space to get your news, or as one listener put it, like getting your news from a well-informed bestie. I'm so glad you're here. So I don't know about anybody else, but I am really freaking glad it's Friday this week. I just feel like these short weeks, for some reason, are way more crazy because you're trying to fit a normal amount of work into a shorter week. Anyway, I also had my son home. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you already know, but my son doesn't go back until next week. So I was just working with a toddler all week. (laughs) And I actually did that the week leading up to Christmas as well. And so it has just been exhausting beyond belief. So I just wanted to let you guys know that so that if I sound a little exhausted today, a little tired, that would be the reason why. And I'm just like skating into the weekend and going to definitely be prioritizing rest. Also, I have the baby monitor here with me tonight because my husband's at a work event. So Yeah, there's a lot going on. If you hear some background noise, it is probably my baby monitor. But as you guys know, I'm a mom and this is part of my show that I produce. I produce out of my house. This is part of our charm, I like to think. And I also like the idea of one day August listening to these episodes and having, you know, not a memory, but sort of a piece of his childhood preserved. Anyway, We have a ton of news to go over, lots of really fascinating stories today, albeit terrifying in a lot of different directions, but very deep thinking to kind of get you guys ready for the weekend. So let's jump in. 
So first and foremost, the story about Trump making millions as president from foreign governments. So a document has come out providing evidence of President Trump committing the exact type of crime that Republicans are trying to accuse President Biden of. According to documents released to the public on Thursday, President Trump received at least $7.8 million from as many as 20 foreign governments during his time as president. And the kicker might just be that the biggest payment came from, wait for it, China. $5.5 million. The country that he's supposed to be so tough on is in bed with him, almost literally if you consider that the payments went through his hotels. The document was put out by the House Oversight Democrats and is a lengthy, again, 156-page study entitled The White House for Sale. Oh, damn, that is scathing. The document chronicles exactly how the money changed hands from foreign governments into Trump's pockets, and they brought receipts, you guys. That's basically what this document is, is a a wad of receipts. And the ironies here were pointed out by Democrats who are painting Republicans as basically political copycats. They see Democrats bringing impeachment inquiries against Trump. So they bring impeachment inquiries against Biden. Democrats claim that Trump profited from being president. So Republicans accuse Biden of the same. Only there's one problem. One side is providing evidence and the other side is failing to produce any so far. And that's the thing. While the truth can be multifaceted, There are things in life that are simply untrue, and you can't will evidence into existence. So far, the Republican case against Biden is a paper tiger. It's pretty toothless. And the many mounting court cases against Trump seem to be packing a lot of substance. And we've all been allowed to see a lot of it. That said, the Trump family is already speaking out, saying that they cannot be held accountable for these foreign entities booking hotels through third parties, which is an interesting defense and potentially one that may have been thought through in advance. Meanwhile, Democrats are actually using this document to advocate for stricter policies about presidential finances. Basically, they want to put in further transparency on this subject so as to more easily investigate potential wrongdoings in the future. Also, as a side note but related, Trump was also named in the Jeffrey Epstein documents that were released yesterday, making this kind of the second wave of evidence to confirm indecencies that were long suspected by the public. But will it affect his chances at the White House? We will have to wait and see. So next up for today, we are discussing Iran's blast being done by ISIS. So after hours of mystery shrouding this double explosion in Iran, ISIS came out and claimed responsibility for the attack. This actually makes a lot of sense and was something that actually one of my Persian sources was speculating 
I always like to keep my ear to the ground about Iran, as you guys know. So I have a few different people I talk to about this subject who are much closer to it just to keep plenty of anonymity for them. But you have to understand a bit of background to understand what happened in this attack. You see, there are two sects of Islam, Shiite and Sunni. You may have heard of these before, but they disagree about how to practice Islam. And they have had this ongoing conflict for generations. And it's taken on many different forms and many different arenas. To translate it a bit, it might be like if, let's say, Southern Baptists and Catholics decided to physically fight one another based on their differences on how to practice Christianity. So ISIS, which is a Sunni group, saw an opportunity at this memorial service to target Shiite worshipers. So they, according to CNN, have told the world that they sent two suicide bombers in vests laced with explosives to this memorial service and those bombs went off. But what's interesting, if if not full-on suspect, is that their account of what happened and the death toll differs greatly from the Iranian government's description of events. And this is something that always feels like a giant red flag to me. According to CNN, an Iranian state media outlet said that the first explosion was a car bomb and that the bomb had been inside a suitcase in that car and that it was detonated remotely. ISIS's death count was also far higher than that of the Islamic Republic, but it's safe to say it was a massive loss of life. Iran has vowed retribution for this event and This just seeks to further destabilize the Middle East right now, which is seemingly inching towards conflict on several different fronts. Let's hope that things can de-escalate, and if not, that it can bring about positive change for those who remain under authoritarian control. We'll definitely keep you guys posted. And next up for today, I wanted to discuss Claudine Gay speaking out. So I'm actually really glad that Claudine is speaking out about this because what happened with her is so mind-boggling and in so many different directions. It's disappointing in the sense that this was the first black female president of Harvard and I would have loved to see her thrive and have a really long tenure and help the university become more inclusive and thrive in and of itself, but her comments on Capitol Hill were disturbing at at a minimum. Um, And so, and then the plagiarism accusations were just out of left field. And it's hard as someone who's not an academic to put those into perspective. Is this something that happens a lot? Is it not, you know, Harvard was acting like it's no big deal, but they have skin in the game. So I was interested to hear what she had to say about everything because I knew in this op-ed we get a sense of her point of view. And it was really interesting to hear how she felt things went down and she was raising some red flags. So let's, you know, dive into what she was saying in her op-ed. Claudine Gay, in the op-ed that she penned for the New York Times, makes the argument that her attacker's ambitions were simply not just to take her down 
as someone they saw perpetrating anti-Semitism, that it was one battle in a larger war that is really against closely held American institutions and not just academic ones. Trust in all of our systems, from the justice system to the police to healthcare to Congress to the press and election systems and so on, is being questioned right now. And that is part of a broader pattern. And while all of these systems do have their flaws, if we seek to dismantle all of them, what will they be replaced with? What will we be left with? You know, thinking about it globally, Besides Europe, the U.S. is one of the most stable places in the world from a standpoint of basic freedoms and economic opportunity and physical safety. So what happens if we start tearing down all of the institutions responsible for that stability? Claudine argues that our trust and our faith in institutions is necessary for America to function. And that faith is often what's first attacked at educational institutions. Here's a quote that she made on this subject that stood out to me. Quote, Campaigns of this kind often start with attacks on education and expertise because those are the tools that best equip communities to see through propaganda. But such campaigns don't end there. End quote. And this is something we see evidenced in history throughout the world. But the first example that pops into my mind is the revolution in China where educators, scientists, and other intellectuals were specifically targeted, and they were some of the first to go. She went on to say, quote, I made mistakes. In my initial response to the activities of October the 7th, I should have stated more forcefully what all people of good conscience know. Hamas is a terrorist organization that seeks to eradicate the Jewish state. And at a congressional hearing last month, I fell into that well-laid trap. End quote. So Claudine seems to have truly come to the conclusion that her actions on Capitol Hill that day, her words were a mistake, that she didn't do enough to step up and protect Jewish students based on what she said in this op-ed. But she feels that the war that was then waged on her wasn't about what happened on Capitol Hill. And she doesn't even really say that it was about her race or her gender. She said this is about something bigger a pattern of attacking foundational institutions here in America and a pattern that is certainly very real and potentially very dangerous. Okay, and lastly for today, this has been just like a crazy, very deep week of news. You know, a lot to think about, a lot to chew on. Um, There's a lot going on in the world that is very scary and, and big, but I wanted to leave you guys off on a lighter note and a story that for once paints Oklahoma in a little bit brighter light. So in case you guys didn't know, I live in Oklahoma. That is where my extended family is from, even though I've lived a lot of other places. But this is a state that is usually known for climate deniers and poverty and teacher strikes 
it's pleasant to be making headlines for something positive for a change. So I wanted to let you guys know about a really fun story. A 13-year-old boy in Stillwater, Oklahoma, may have just been the first person ever to beat the legendary video game Tetris. So I don't know about you guys, but I certainly had phases where I was legitimately addicted to Tetris. And the Tetris movie that recently came out, damn, I mean, it was probably one of my favorite movies of 2023. It kind of combined like Russian Soviet history with real life events and all surrounding the subject of how Tetris came to be. But anyway, back to our story. Willis Gibson, age 13, said that he could not feel his fingers, you guys, after accomplishing the highest score available on Tetris of 999,999, one point short of a million. Only AI has accomplished this prior to Will's epic game. The game then shut down because it's not able to actually continue past this score. There's no coding for that. So he is a prodigy to be sure. Congrats, Will. And I hope your thumbs are feeling better. And that is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote. The sea is dangerous and its storms are terrible. But these obstacles have never been a sufficient reason to remain ashore. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugar free media. And that is also linked in our show notes. You can follow us on social media at newsdujour.podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. You can follow my personal account at it's Annie Bowles on both platforms as well. Any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup. He has a little separation anxiety and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from Oklahoma.